Hello and welcome to the British Chambers podcast channel. We're delighted to bring you a second season of in-depth discussions and conversations with our members and high-profile speakers, ranging from topics like trade, fintech, arts, sports, and more within Singapore, ASEAN, and the UK. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. With 10 categories, 10 winners, and one big night of celebrating the best of business excellence, entries are now open for the British Chamber's 22nd Annual Business Awards. As Singapore's longest running awards by an international chamber, categories range from Employer of the Year, Diversity and Inclusion Champion of the Year, Sustainability Champion of the Year, through to UK Exporter of the Year and more. For all the details and how to submit your entries, visit www.britcham.org.sg. Welcome back to a new episode of the Social Media Playbook. I'm Andrew Clark, and joining me today is Olivia Kane from LinkedIn. Hi, Olivia. Hi, good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to kind of get stuck into everything LinkedIn. Absolutely, and we're looking forward to it too. So when I look at your LinkedIn profile, because obviously that's what we do when we Mm -hmm. want to find out about somebody these days. It says you're a senior content consultant, content marketing expert, maternity mentor. Yeah. That's extremely interesting. But Mm -hmm. let's focus on that content stuff, shall we? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So in the about section, I love helping customers, big and small, create exceptional digital content and build robust marketing strategies. I'm a content marketing expert, social media aficionado, marketing strategist, keynote speaker, mentor, leader, team player, and individual contributor known for consistently demanding excellence of myself and those around me. What does that mean? So what do I do every day at work? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So my role is I sit with the LinkedIn marketing solutions and I'm the in-house content expert. I'm the in-house content consultant. So when we have our enterprise clients coming to us, trying to figure out how they can utilize LinkedIn as a marketing platform and how they can leverage their content strategies on LinkedIn, I get called into it to consult them and to give them advice on how we can build full funnel strategies, you know, understand their goals and how we can meet them through a platform like LinkedIn. We've got the quality audience. Our targeting is one of the best. And we're able to really spark these professional conversations and really be that B2B destination for marketing, which is incredibly exciting. And that's what I do on a day-to-day basis is I consult our customers on how to actually leverage LinkedIn as a marketing platform, which is really exciting. Uh, a lot of people say, well, isn't it kind of B2B content marketing? Isn't that, you know, a little bit dull and, you know, all these professional folk. And actually, we're seeing a real turning point. It's becoming an incredibly exciting place where there's a lot of creativity being injected here. So. I am, you know, uh, what we call a cross-functional partner. I work with the sales teams and I work with our customers really on how we can create amazing content on LinkedIn as a platform. So it's a big job. I don't want to see any bad content out there, um, but I, we, we all try our best to do what we can. 
Well, I, one thing for sure is our audience on this show is extremely interested in what you do because a lot of the people uh, in our community are exactly who you work with. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the, the first and most simple question to ask about LinkedIn, um, from our perspective, I think, from the perspective of our audience, is what on earth, what is the best thing to use LinkedIn for? Yeah, um, I think it really ties back to the audience. Um, and, and the reason why I want to start there is because more and more people that I speak to, they say, oh my gosh, I'm just going to LinkedIn all the time to get industry news, un like consume thought leadership, have conversations with my network. That is kind of the go-to place for a lot of professionals in their career. And I think that's the best starting point. When you have loads of people coming to a co coming to a platform to consume quality content, then that's the best place to begin. Because I think what LinkedIn is really best for is those professional conversations to drive that thought leadership. And this is where people go to get industry news and to understand, you know, which products and solutions are out there, what's happening in tech, what's happening in finance. And I think this is truly a content marketing platform. This is where B2B conversations come alive. This is where professional conversations come alive. I think LinkedIn has been known as, you know, a job platform for a really long time. And that's, you know, truly, you know, the heart of LinkedIn as well. But especially as a result of COVID, people are coming to the platform to get news and trustworthy news. And I think the conversations here are really shaping the professional world and really shaping B2B marketing. And I think the content has never been better. So to answer your question, you know, if we have a lot of people coming to the platform and leaning in to consume content, then, you know, what to use uh, LinkedIn for is high quality thought leadership, really interesting POVs. It's not a place to sell, sell, sell because you want to help professionals succeed in their jobs. And that's why people are coming to this platform. So how can your content be that bridge to make your potential customers succeed? Uh, and, and that's what I think is incredibly exciting. So definitely industry news, thought leadership, really great conversations um, amongst your peers and your network as well. And I think this is just a fantastic place, especially for B2B marketers to play. I completely agree. And I think that there's a couple of things that you said there, which is really interesting. Yeah, I think that in the past, I think LinkedIn was sort of synonymous almost with finding a job. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's clearly not that anymore, is it? Mm. You know? um, and, and just the type of content, you know, that, I mean, something for me, when I'm scrolling through my LinkedIn feed, I'm scrolling through it a lot slower than I would through my Instagram feed or my mm -hmm. Facebook feed. Yeah. And I think that, that that expression you used, um, you want your audience to lean in, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps to consume content that's perhaps more long form in, uh, in nature, rather than kind of baity and short form. Mm. Um, and, and, and would it be fair to say that that type of content that allows you to lean in, the more, that allows you to uh, digest in a, in, in, a, in a slower way, that's the type of stuff that really resonates on the platform? Yeah, but also it's useful content as well. I mean, 
Yes, it can be long form, but also LinkedIn is a place for shorter form content, whether it's a simple status update or a poll or a quick, you know, 15 second video that captures your attention. But the notion of leaning into a platform is because you're getting something out of it. I'm getting value. I'm getting something that can actually help me do my job better today. And that's, I think, the difference. Um, you know, it's it's almost kind of, you know, where you can learn and build shortcuts, get uh, great leadership advice, hear awesome stories. So whether it's that's long form or short form, but it's actually just, you know, building to my knowledge set. I'm learning about the industry. I can actually apply something straight away. So you kind of, we're giving value to get value. Whereas there are other social platforms where they're kind of lean back platforms. They're more passive, right? Like you said, the Instagrams, maybe the Facebooks, the TikToks, um, Snap, we were just talking about earlier. Um, and that's just where you lean back and it's for entertainment value. So it's something passive. Um, and I think, you know, every platform has a different purpose and that's absolutely fine. I mean, where you're getting entertainment, you're maybe able to have a really good laugh. And then, you know, for LinkedIn, you're able to really build something or you're able to take something away and apply it. And it makes you a better professional, a better person, um, something that you can truly learn from. So I love this, this kind of synergy between lean back and lean in platforms and understanding the audience's intent with that. I think that's fantastic. I think it's just such, such a wonderful and elegant way to put it. Um, so in terms of the type of content that's on LinkedIn, the stuff that's uh, trending, um, is there anything in particular? Um, I'm sure I'm like, I'm really fascinated to hear what what you're liking on the platform? What, 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 you know, is there a particular, are there particular accounts that, that, that you're really into? Because um, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the specialism you have would be really useful to find out what you're into. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There is loads. And what I love is that it's constantly evolving. I think one of my favorite accounts is definitely Think with Google. I love how they try and innovate and they really nail it well within the feed. So um, if you ever wanna get some inspiration on how they do data-driven storytelling, they've absolutely nailed it. And they do it in such uh, an animated, dynamic way. It's very, very captivating. I think in a couple of other accounts that I really like in terms of brand consistency, because what I do consult on a lot is visual consistency in the feed. Often there is this massive break between organic and paid content. So it actually feels like that two different brands are reaching their audience. And that's also quite common because organic is usually owned by comms and paid is run by, you know, different field demand gen marketing teams. So there is that break anyway, but Accenture and EY are able to really create like an omni-channel presence where every single touch point, you can definitely see that it's the same brand speaking to you. And they curate it so well, all the brand codes, the visual nuances using colors and shapes. I mean, that's best practice right there on brand consistency and visual consistency. And I can't emphasize this enough because this is how you stand out. These are some of the 
very subtle cues that you can actually drive in the newsfeed for audiences to remember you. I mean, what do you think of when you think of EY? You think of yellow, right? What do you think of when you think I'm of not, Coke? I'm not sure. Like, I, like, oh, really? Visual, well, I mean, actually, just, just on the cynical side of that, just to, like, what, what do I think of when I think of companies like EY and Accenture, well, EY in particular, you know, these are ostensibly sort of accountancy and consulting <laughs> firms. They're quite boring. Uh, well, but clearly what's happening out there is that there, I mean, I do also know that the companies like EY and Accenture, the big four, if you like, they're all, mm. they're all moving much more into the creative space, aren't they? And, and, and they're almost acting like creative advertising agencies themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that's really coming through with how they actually package and position their content. I think what I'm also loving on LinkedIn at the moment is short form video. So what I'm seeing is GIF like videos in the feed. So we can't upload GIFs directly into LinkedIn. It has to be an MP4 file, but you're seeing them behave like GIFs. So really short, snappy, light animation. You're seeing kind of text jumping out everywhere. It's quite, it's a little bit kind of editorial style, which I like, um, but it's unique and it's really grabbing attention and it's it's a way to you know preview content because i think that we're in a very heavy preview consumption culture where we want to get a little bit of context first before we're bought in you know you can see that with you know text messaging on our phones or teams chat as well you always get a little preview of your message so you can actually get that context before jumping in and i think you know even you know on Netflix, when you're cruising through Netflix, you want to get a preview of that piece of content you want to consume. So the same thing applies to B2B marketing. And I think using that GIF form video to give a sneak peek of an ebook or a blog post, I think that's a really clever way to package it and also give the audience context. You give value to get value. So yeah, Absolutely. I'm going to navigate my way through because this looks like a compelling piece of research that I need to read um, that I need to know about for, for me to execute my role. That's fascinating, actually, that whole idea of previewing content on the platform using short form video. Mm. And yes, you do see a lot of that. Um, yes, I'm guilty of doing that myself with my with with my other podcasts that I do. But but um, yeah, it's almost the GIF like thing is really, really interesting, actually creating, you know, infinitely loopable MP4 videos. Exactly. And within the feed, they will naturally just start playing again in a loop form. So if you have a less than a maybe less like a 30 second video, it will look as though it's it will look as though it's it's seamlessly playing. But actually, yeah. really, it's just a looped 30 second video. And yeah. you can get really creative with that kind of stuff as well. Absolutely. And these are the things, like I mentioned, EY is doing really well. Think with Google. Um, they're really, you know, exploring how they can expand on this medium. So typically these GIF like videos are maybe about five to 15 seconds. Yeah. And then they loop, um, like you said, infinitely or up to, you know, 20 or 30 seconds, but nothing more than that. And also just reinforces the message too through yeah. repetition. Um, and, you know, when we're also thinking about how to innovate with our marketing as well within the B2B space, I definitely suggest looking at mid-sized tech companies as well. Um, think about MailChimp, HubSpot, Slack, ServiceNow. Um, they have a really interesting take or even Zendesk. 
um, with their content. And I think that's something to always keep an eye on, you know, some of these challenger brands um, and how they're positioning themselves with their content. Fascinating. Okay, so we've done the tips and tricks on like what, what you should do. Mm. What should you not do on LinkedIn? <laughs> I think definitely from a brand perspective and kind of putting that marketer's hat on is talking about yourself. I, I think that's that's kind of, you know, this is not a place for like billboard ads or, or anything that you would potentially envision driving by on a highway. Um, and I think that's just where we need to always ask ourselves as a B2B marketer, how are you navigating your customer's decision making? What content is actually bridging that knowledge gap? And I want to say knowledge gap, not selling or product gap, um, because I think that's really, really important. Yes, of course, you can promote your products and solutions, but what problem are you solving for? Do you know what's actually keeping your audience up at night? And what conversations are you driving to keep them informed? I think um, that's always my biggest question because, you know, a lot of demand marketers are always, you know, of course, being measured on leads and ROI, but that's one part or one piece of the puzzle. I think we always need to think about how are we actually navigating the customer's journey um, in actually thinking about you when they make a decision. And the decision-making process is really long. It's over 12 months, right? So we need to constantly nurture that through content. So talking about yourself relentlessly doesn't fill that gap. Um, I think another pet peeve that I have are <laughs> Stock photos. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. oh, stock photos. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think the reason why it's stock photos, and, you know, there are some brilliant stock photos out there. And I think it's a really great, you know, way. Like, I love unsplash.com. That's a fantastic repository. That's of, a great repository. I, I learned mean, about that from you last time. I mean, yeah. that, I, I, I looked into that. It's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's some beautiful work out there, but there is, I mean, over the last couple of years, I've seen the same stock photo with the same people in it yeah. used by multiple brands. And... I mean, I have to be honest, <laughs> I, I am guilty of that mm. myself, not so much with stock photos, but stock video. We've used stock video before. And you, I think there are celebrities out there now because of stock photos. There are people yeah. who are now famous because those particular stock photos, you see them being used <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And it is sometimes, it is sometimes people perceive that to be a bit of a lazy way. I think, I think it's a good starting point if you're really tight on budget. Of course. And I think that's just where, how can you choose stock photos that feel authentic to your brand? Not necessarily, um, oh, we're doing something computer-based, so let's get some weird matrix-like graphics and someone in a server room, you know? Yeah. I think, um, when, I think there needs to be a stronger curatorial process when using stock video or stock photos and yes. stock imagery. Um, and also, you know, just touching on this a little bit, you know, how are you making sure that your stock videos or stock photos are also inclusive in nature as well? Um, and how are you expanding that conversation? But I'll leave that for another time. Um, and 
you know, when marketers are in a pinch, that's where you go. And that's a great thing. But I think what we need to really start uncovering is authenticity. And uh, I'm actually not affiliated with the LinkedIn marketing team um, itself um, and how they go to market. Um, I consult clients. And um, what I must say is that I think LinkedIn marketing does this incredibly well. They actually shoot people in their office. Um, they actually have a photographer come in and shoot at various office locations around the world. So you have that inclusive, truly global um, authentic sense of authenticity when it comes to the brand. But also what I think is really interesting is that they reshaped how um, what work looks like because they started doing these photo shoots at home because we were in a COVID, in COVID environment. And so the images just come across as very authentic, very relatable, that this is what working from home looks like. Um, and I think that that really resonates with audiences when you have authentic imagery, because that's where your eye goes to first. When you look at a piece of content, the eye goes immediately to the image. So you have to yeah, maximize this. visual, isn't it? Yeah. And you have to maximize this real estate. That is the number one thing, whether you turn it into a GIF, whether you do data-driven storytelling, or whether you just have really authentic images um, that feel authentic to your brand. And I think that's the winning combination right there to getting attention in the first place. So stock photos, especially ones that are incredibly dry um, and, you know, that don't really add to the story it's that it's that kind of those kind of cliched images that yeah. that 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 almost say stock footage right mm. they almost are you know they almost say stock footage itself yeah but yeah they're, they're sort of they signify stock image yeah and very corporate looking everybody you know people sat around the table pointing at a whiteboard that sort of stuff right yeah yeah. And, <laughs> and I think the trap that happens, and I've seen it very, very often, is you fall into the sea of sameness. Um, yeah. Because you also what I see is that there are some brands that say, Oh, but other brands are kind of doing the same thing, then I'm going to do that as well. Yes. And there are some industries that are quite notorious about this as well, you know, especially with specific landscapes or, you know, a couple of container tanks or ships, yeah. you know, as the main image for a blog post. Um, I think my, what an exercise that I do with a lot of my customers is I take a bunch of posts that look quite similar and I put all the logos, um, I hide them and I say, which one is your piece of content? Do you know which one? And, and, and that just demonstrates the sea of sameness that you've entered in. And that's all due to stock photos. And, and so that's one thing that um, I would always urge is how can we get creative in this space and how, most importantly, how can we be authentic? How does this represent your organization, your region, your team, and also, of course, your product and your solutions? Absolutely fantastic. I think what I understand is with stock photos, you need to be careful. There mm. is beautiful out there, yes. beautiful work out there. And useful. And useful, absolutely. But the key point is to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So what's coming up? Mm. You mentioned before we started the interview that, that um, uh, you're in a new, you're just in a new fiscal year this yeah. year. So there must yeah. be lots of interesting things in your pipeline. Could you give us any insights into <laughs> what might be coming up, Olivia? I'll do what I can. I, I'll do what I can. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I think, you know, I want to touch on some of the features that I really love um, the most and maybe not everyone knows about them. So I think one is polls. I think polls are really gaining momentum or rather people who are using the polling function are absolutely nailing it. Um, so you can either do this on your own profile. Um, you know, so as like a thought leader, you can run polls, but also as a company page, you can run polls as well. And this is such a fantastic way to enter that two way conversation with your audience, because I think Garner, the days are, you know, expecting your audience to answer a question in your piece of content. Polls are just, you know, the quickest way to do that and to also get a sense check on what your audience is thinking. Right. You know. I see um, brands that are really embracing polls are using it to say, what do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? How can we help you? And that is the best way to get audience sentiment, not necessarily these, you know, very sophisticated sentiment analysis tools. Talk to your audience, hear yeah. from them what they want to hear from you. And that's yeah. bridging the gap and bridging the knowledge gap. And that's what content marketing is all about. Right. So polls love a poll. It's really, really fantastic, easy tool to just kind of whip out and start engaging with your audience and understanding how you can carve out your content marketing strategy off the back of that. Um, I think another one that's really great is event ads and event boosting as well. I think COVID has taught us so much. It's been such a challenge and it's really forced digital transformation. I love that meme that I think came around when COVID came out, which was, you know, what pushed you into digital transformation, your CTO, your CIO, your CMO or COVID and it was COVID, right? <laughs> so, yes. um, and digital transformation has been a long time coming and something that we've talked about for five, 10 years. And I think this really pushed us into that. And with that, it's going to be hybrid events. You know, there's going to be this notion of remote working, remote attendance, um, maybe a truly global way of looking at events that are being run um, due to also restrictions that many countries still have. Yes, I think physical events will come back, but having that online option is going to be definitely a driving force. So how do you boost those events and how do you promote those events as well? And getting that visibility in a professional setting, I think this is also very, very exciting and something for marketers to definitely look into, which is running event ads. I mean, like it or not, I think that it's fairly clear now that this idea of the virtual event, it's not going away. Um, and even if we have um, physical events happening in the future, yeah. Um, whether you want to use the expression hybrid or not for them, mm. there's always going to be a virtual or a live video aspect to any event, I think, going forward into the future. Yeah. Um, and I think hybrid is kind of the key. I think, yeah. I think it's just giving audiences and giving participants more options. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I mean, I love, you know, like pounding the pavement at conferences and being there and feeling the atmosphere, but sometimes you can't make it. And when you, when you're not able to, you're at a complete loss because you've missed out on an industry conference. But I think hybrid is, is probably going to be the way forward, whether we like it or not. But I think the challenge remains with um, virtual events and hybrid events for the online audience, if you like, is yeah. that 
component, you know, if you're there physically pounding the pavement, like you say, mm. you're meeting people in person, right? Yeah. But in that digital space, I think one nut that's been very hard to crack has been creating an authentic form of networking within yeah. virtual and hybrid events, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes and no, because when I think about it now, although you're physically there at an event, I would be live tweeting, you know, which sessions I would be attending or um, live tweeting like amazing quotables from some of the speakers on stage. And then all of a sudden I'd be like meeting up or, or connecting with people online. Um, and I may not actually bump into them at the physical event, but we would have conversations online. And I think that's maybe kind of that digital spin on things is yet to evolve. But I think what's really nice about LinkedIn is that you're able to see who in your network is going to be attending. And when they click attend, you can say, oh, so-and-so is going, oh, great. Maybe I can text that person or we can connect or I can see them on the live stream feed. Um, and I think, I think this is a really exciting time because maybe something new will come out of it um, to kind of really grab that opportunity of online networking at a new level. Wow, that's really interesting. And I think that I understand from what you're saying as well is that perhaps, you know, obviously it's never going to be like um, physically interacting with people and, and perhaps as users of, 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 of LinkedIn um, and, and, and also, you know, you know ev attending events digitally, virtually in the future, we have to learn a new way of communicating with people in that in that space, right? Yeah. Um, whether it be through text chat or just engaging a lot more. I tend to sit back and sort of let it happen in front of me rather than actually mm. engaging. But perhaps, mm. um, perhaps that's what 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 we're all destined to be doing in the future if we want to network in those environments. And clearly, LinkedIn is creating. Uh, creating the, the, the network and, and, and uh, the opportunities and the features for us to do that. Mm. And I think it's really interesting because we, we've, you know, all made it through in whatever shape or form COVID. We just had to hunker down and get through these times. And, you know, some, some countries are opening up, some are still in lockdown or just entering lockdown. We're all at these different phases. But I think we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And with that is a really exciting opportunity to elevate um, certain ways or really reinvent how we worked before. Like you said, you know, it's about taking the online networking to new heights. How are we breaking this and putting it back together? Also, the notion of remote work or hybrid work, right? There's some people who want to stay at home or there are some people who want to come back into the office. We are reinventing this as well right now. So I think, you know, kind of that try and survive period and then there was a thrive period and now there's going to be a massive reinvention of how we interact moving forward in this kind of new world that we're in. I don't think it's going to go exactly back to how it was before. And yeah, online conversations, you know, how do we create that sense of inclusivity um, for people physically there and people who are online, right? It's going to be a really interesting play. Wow. Very, very, there's so much to think about. It's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Um, okay, so um, we could talk about this all day, but, mm -hmm. but uh, alas, we're a little strapped for time. Um, so let's ask the final question, uh, which is what piece of advice do you have for marketing and communications professionals during COVID? Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest things that I've seen and the biggest opportunity that some brands have harnessed really well is um, not switching off your brand awareness. I think the one piece of advice that I have is if you switch off your brand awareness, especially during this time when we lean into the digital world more so than ever, um, you're going to be forgotten. You're going to be left behind. Because also what I've seen a lot of my customers do is innovate and reinvent themselves during this time, reposition themselves as a brand because of this forced digital transformation. And I think also we've done a lot of research as well through our B2BI, um, B2B Institute, um, which sits within LinkedIn as well, is if you actually drive brand for the long tail, it's going to lift your demand. You're going to get that ROI. And I don't, I don't see brand and demand working as silos anymore. And there needs to be that integration. There needs to be that, that kind of that, um, yeah, that, that integration of these two components need to work together in order to succeed in order to stand out in the market as well. So don't switch off your brand awareness or at least create awareness content that links to your demand. Um, and that will actually drive growth, business growth in the long tail um, because you're getting future customers into your funnel. And why would you want to stop that opportunity? I think there is this notion that, oh, but awareness sits somewhere else in my organization. And that may be true, but we need to kind of create more um, more synergies between the two objectives there for sure and create that kind of that that truly full funnel approach in order to succeed i mean salesforce is a masterclass at full funnel and they do it exceptionally well if you want to see how full funnel works and understand who's doing it amazingly well it's salesforce um and 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 i think that's also why they're so prominent in the market as well so this is not a time to just go straight into lead gen. Um, this is really a time to think about your full funnel approach and making sure that you're having your awareness content work as hard as your demand content. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating because, you know, like you say, COVID has been an opportunity to reposition. It has been an opportunity to refocus for a lot of companies out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But we can't, especially on the pla on, on social media platforms, and I, I, from what you're saying, especially on LinkedIn, when we're presenting ourselves as a company, it's really important to make sure that we're always on, always saying the right things, yeah. always presenting ourselves in a consistent way. It kind of ties back into everything that you've been saying in terms of, you know, ensuring that you know, we're always authentic in the way that we present ourselves. We're not just yeah. like sort of selling all of the time or mm -hmm. like you, again, like you say, sort of looking for lead gen all the time. It's not yeah. always all about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
It's been a fascinating chat. Thank you so much, Olivia. It's Thank always you, really interesting to talk to you. And, and there's so much more we can talk about. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. And that wraps up this episode of the Social Media Playbook, brought to you by the Marketing and Communications Committee at the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. My name's Andrew Clark, partner at creative video agency AsiaWorks. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe and rate our channel on Spotify, Apple, Google and all other podcast platforms. For more information about the Chamber, please visit www.britcham.org.sg.